again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always, I am joined by Will Murden. We're having a fucking good start to this one. No technical difficulties and we have both gone really, really well in picks and shit. So really good start to week four. How are you going tonight, Will? Rolling straight into it. A uh, bit of a mix of emotions at the moment. I've got like ups and downs happening all over the place. Uh, no downs for me, mate. I'm coming in honking no, tonight. Yeah, I had are, a really... And rightly so, I've deserved this. It's been a long time coming for me. I feel like I get one of these a year. Like first year, it was like Purdue beating Ohio State. Second year, Oregon State beating somebody maybe. Can't remember. And then, it's. I mean, it's happened for me this week. So I feel like I am just a college football analytical savant at this point. Definitely. Just crushing Definitely. It. Yeah, no, you're all over. I mean... My Cowboys won again, undefeated. I'm happy with that. And then I have to watch my Bears put up 40 yards this morning. Like, it's kind of not good. I had a great day on the punt Saturday. I was with you for part of it. And yeah, things yeah. were falling in place. And then I let our listeners down. And I, and I don't kind of continue the good form there. So it's, it's just kind of swings and roundabouts for me at the moment. All right, let's dive into it. Before we do, though, get to all our week four action. This is the recap show for College Football Down Over. Thanks again for joining us, but make sure you do hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. More importantly, Twitter and Instagram. That's where you're seeing most of the action these days at CFB Down Under, so make sure you do hit us up there. Vault Studio Podcast, we are a part of that crew as well, so make sure you hit them up. Burnley Brewing. Now, it has finally happened. I have had a taste of... The uh, delights that are Burnley Brewing, that summer ale is a delicious treat as, as the weather turns. Uh, a nice heavy hit of fruity uh, tropical uh, hops used in that one as well. And, and not too much of a punchy bitterness, which suits you. And also their draft, which I imagine is their kind of big seller, was a nice drop as well. Yeah, look, I, I said I'd deliver. I, I didn't drink all of it. I thought about it. I have it. not. No, it's good. I'm looking forward to getting into it. It's There's plenty more there. I know how much you love a sour, so there's a nitro sour in there as well that yeah, we'll can, get into. You can have all of those. <laughs> I know they're a sponsor. And they, they do a fantastic beer, but that ain't for me. Okay. Uh, we've got a massive show to get to. We've got the 360 recap. We've got all the games to recap. Aussies in action, helmet stickers, and then all the gambling mess uh, that we get ourselves into over the course of a weekend as well. Firstly, big picture, any opening takeaways that you have from week four action? It's another fantastic week of chaos. Like we are seeing some big heavy hitters lose games. We're seeing a whole bunch of imposters, really, and I kind of hit you up before doing this show. I want to call some of these programs out because a lot of them have been pumped up in the preseason polls and we saw all based off of whatever it is, bit of hype, and this year it feels like more than any other, they're just not living up to it. And it feels like a lot of that hype was unjust. I think a lot of the time they do a good job of picking out the good teams where this year it's all over the shop. Teams are losing left, right and centre. It's fucking great to see. Yeah, I, I mean, I fully echo that sentiment. I think that for the first time, probably almost in my watching lifetime of college football on some level, there are more teams in the top 25 that have got big questions or big flaws. And I just haven't, I don't remember seeing this across the breadth of, of the top 25. Oklahoma in trouble. Clemson obviously lived that out. Auburn lived it out on the weekend. The entire state of Iowa, North Carolina, K-State, all of the Big Ten. 
Like every single one of these teams has got questions, which is awesome because it means that chaos can reign and we get to see a whole bunch of stuff. Anybody can win it at this point, which is something we just haven't seen for years. Yeah, well, anyone but one, right? There's still one at the yeah, top of this pile here that's kind of ruining it for everyone. But hey, who knows? I guess Florida, which now sit at what, number 10 or something like that, push them close enough that you feel like they're still gettable maybe once like it just feels like they're once they could get got this year i don't know who's going to do it maybe it's georgia uh but it just sort of feels like maybe this is the year but anyway even if there's only two teams up the top that is heaps better than just the five dominant species crushing the game uh, all right let us move on because we do have a lot to get to before we do though i want to get to a quick bit of news now you don't even know i'm doing this so this is news but what i'm going to be doing is I'm going to be retiring. You heard it here first. I'm going to be retiring the Bonix sound clip as I fade out very quickly from this news drop. The Bonix sound mm. drop has been retired. You cannot kick a man after he gets benched uh, against Georgia State. That is just something that I cannot bring myself to do. However, I've got something that will lean into and fill the void. Uh, of this particular space, which I will get to later. I don't like this. I don't like this. I was, I was positive for a little while there, but I don't like where this is heading. Okay, let's get into our 360 recap. This is all the action and the only action that you need to know for week four. We've mentioned all the chaos that nearly happened again and it felt like complete carnage was on the cards. Didn't quite happen that way, but in amongst all of that, Notre Dame managed to blow out Wisconsin in the end. Uh, thoughts on the Irish, are they legitimate or are Wisconsin that bad? A little bit of both, maybe. I think uh, the Irish defense is really good, and even Wisconsin's defense is is good, as we expected it to be, but their offense is so flawed that they're going to struggle to compete with uh, the good teams. So you can completely write off this Wisconsin team. They're probably one of those imposters, ranked too highly, not up to it, not looking good, let down by uh, their quarterback at the moment. But Notre Dame, very interesting one to keep an eye on because I thought they were going to take a big step back this year. I think you you did the same. And at the moment, they're, they're showing a really, really uh, good good play on the field. And, and you have to kind of respect that. I still worry about their schedule. It, it's, they've got a lot of tough road games uh, that I think is going to take its toll on them over the journey. Some, some team that is playing really, really well or a team that's playing really, really well that I'm happy because I was sort of aboard these guys late on last year since Sam Pittman's come across. They get that big nationally televised ranked matchup game and they Arkansas, that is, I'm talking about, put away Texas A&M and do so almost controlling the game from start to finish. Yeah, you have been a bit of a fan of the Hogs, and I get why you like Sam Pittman. He's a really likable guy. Every interaction you hear with him or the reporters, he just seems like a great guy. So easy to get around him there. They've been a program that's been down for a number of years now, so it's kind of cool to see them getting up and just owning that state of Texas there. The big one, the big one in all of college football. The champ has been dethroned. Clemson finally fall. I say finally fall, I mean like, you know, it's all relative in the ACC, but uh, Clemson appear to have lost their complete stranglehold on the ACC. They fall in overtime to NC State. 
Yeah, and I think like overtime was lucky for them. They they should have lost yeah. before that with the NC State kicker having an opportunity, a very makeable kick earlier Three opportunities, on. So in fact. Three opportunities. I feel good for him that they were able to get it done in the end. Uh, and then full credit to NC State. They played a good game. That pass in the uh, final overtime there to win it was exceptional. And that, like they're a good football team. Clemson this year at the moment lacking. That offensive side, as you said, has been... Massive question marks. I was optimistic that they were going to be able to pull something out and it all come together, and it just hasn't. So I like it. A bit more parity and, and not such a dominant force. Anything else that you want to touch on? We Obviously, we're going to go into all these games. Is there anything big that you need to get off your chest early days that if you're a college football fan, you need to know? I think you have to know that USC dropped to, to Oregon State, which is Woo, incredible. Go you beeves. That's a big one. And then uh, we also had a 30-point underdog lose. So when I talk about uh, the long shot segment, that's the sort of shit that I want you hitting on. So uh, a Bowling Green team, which is probably comfortably in the worst 10 teams in uh, the FBS division, I'd say. They're, they're in that 120 to 130 range. They're not great. And they've gone in and beaten Minnesota. So that's quite the shocker there. Yeah, I mean, a, a bit of a crazy week in, in so many spaces. So let's not hang around too long at all here. Let's get into our gameplay. And we are going to start with the big ranked matchup or what became the big ranked matchup, SEC Arkansas versus Texas A&M. Williams got a great jump off the snap and he got to the quarterback. Penalty flags down. It's going to be holding, I think, in another sack. Yeah, Trey Williams dominated the line of scrimmage for Arkansas. Now, before we get into too much depth, depth here, a fantastic win. I cannot speak to how big this thing really is. Beating Jimbo Fisher, beating Texas A&M, which has proven to be a real, real challenge and a team that was pushing for the playoff last year. This is a huge, huge win for an Arkansas program that was mired in, I would like to say mediocrity, but it was far worse than that. Uh, they were three years ago, uh, shocking, shocking football team um, going all the way back to like Brett Bielema. It has not been a pretty picture for Arkansas. But in this one, they led 17-0 at the main break. Two big explosive plays by KJ Jefferson in the passing game were the difference in that. He was a threat as a runner and always has been. He's a big dude, makes good decisions with his ball handling and, and you know, can get downhill in a hurry. As a result, when you have that, you're forced to leave one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside. That's exactly what they did. And if you're going to leave Trey Burke's one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, this is maybe the one of the best receivers in the conference, maybe one of the best receivers in the country. He's going to make plays, and he did just that. So Kendall Bryles uh, come, comes across. Obviously, he had a bit of time at Houston, had a bit of time at FSU. He's the offensive coordinator there at Arkansas, and he called a really, really good first half. But the difference for me in this one, the story of the game was this Arkansas defense. They only brought, or consistently only brought, three down linemen. Trey Williams, who got that sack there, was one of them. He was wrecking shop. But to only bring three and rush eight, you've got to be able to do something about that situation. And Texas A&M just couldn't. They fell away from the running game very early. They needed to stay with Isaiah Spiller, but they couldn't. And they were ending up behind the, behind the chains, behind the sticks a lot on these second and long, third and long downs, which means they have to go to the air. And when you're dropping eight with an inexperienced quarterback, 
not pretty. Uh, so they would continue to get pressure with just three. Uh, again, like I said, that Trey Williams was just a weapon on the outside. And, and, and we mentioned it. If you could force the ball into Kazada's hands on the road, some spying linebackers are not on the road, but in Jerry World, um, spying linebackers and make him win the game. And he couldn't do that. He could not get that done. Uh, the only shot they really fired all day was the Isaiah Spiller after uh, touchdown after half time with the Aggies, but didn't really feel like they were ever in it. What were your thoughts on Woohoo Pig Suey? Yeah, look, I tend to agree with you there. So the the concern was always this Texas A&M offense for them going into this game. And oh, like immediately watching it, that Calzada can sling it, right? And I mentioned this to you as we were watching it across the day. He, he can hum a ball in there. It just, it feels like he doesn't have great touch. Like on, on... <laughs> And that was, so sorry to interrupt you because I know I've gone on a big diatribe here, but you literally sent me that message and then the next play... He threw the ball into his own offensive lineman, which then got tipped and then got intercepted. I was like, yeah, perfect example. So great call by you. Oh, but there was just a lot of it. Like I, on some of those screens, he'd hum it out there, but he'd kind of put it so quickly. And if it's just like slightly out of position, you're kind of not doing your receivers any favor. And and you'll notice it with the great players in the game, like you're Tom Brady, right? He, he, he doesn't have a cannon arm. He's got a Great arm strength. He's one of the best to ever do it. But it's all about ball positioning and touch and putting it in the window when it needs to be in the window, where it needs to be, when it needs to be. And and you just didn't see that from Calzada. And, and Arkansas, to their credit, kind of made him uncomfortable with only three rushing at him. And outside of that, there were the the windows were too small for him to be able to hit and for them to be able to be get going. They weren't able to be, to get uh, Isaiah Spiller going on the ground to establish that run game. And they, they just really struggled to keep up. Now, Arkansas's offense wasn't fantastic, no, but they did come up with a couple of really big plays that was enough to win this one. And that's what you kind of need to do in these situations. Play your, play your defense, play to your strength, which is what they did, and then... Come up big in moments where you need to. So I'm kind of with you. I was back in Texas A&M in this one. I thought they were the better team. But across the day, it certainly wasn't the case. And it was a fantastic result. Uh, I really like that pick too. That um, The only turnover on the game, um, Montaric Browns, diving interception. That could have quite easily been one that you know bounced off the turf. But I think he did a really good job to get his hands underneath it and hold onto it. And, and that was a clear pick for me. So... Great result for them, and, and now they come into the top 10. What it, it feels like it's not that long ago where they'd lost like 30 SEC games on the bounce or something. Correct. Yeah, well, they had Chad Morris there for a couple of years, and he did nothing. Um, and Sam Pittman just looks like he's got them well-organized, well-coached, and they're playing really good football. And credit credit to him, and credit to, to the Arkansas football team. I mean, they were fantastic, and, and I will continue to watch them because I think they... They can win in this kind of way, like try and out-muscle teams and, and you know play good defense. But they've also put up some scores this year. I mean, they put up 43 on Texas. So they can put points up as well. And winning multiple ways is important in college football. And they got a cracking, cracking matchup on the horizon. They do. All right, let's head across to the ACC and Clemson and NC State. DJ into the end zone. Incomplete. For Ross, and the streak is over. They answer the opportunity. 
NC State rides on the strength of the pack. On the strength of the pack, yes, NC State hold up in overtime, 27-21. to 21. DJ used pass on fourth down to Justin Ross. Didn't get his head around, didn't get his arms out, didn't catch the ball, and Clemson have fallen. Uh, and I don't mean this in a negative way. It's very easy to say, like, you know, oh, it's, it's great that the top guys are, are losing, and I'm not a Clemson hater by any means. I think Dabo Swinney runs a really, really good program. Um, and, and it's kind of been a little bit disappointing to see them go down the way they have this year. They've fallen all the way to the t to 25 in the AP poll. But some of the stats here are absolutely crazy. They're now ranked outside of the top 10 for the first time in 97 weeks. And their streak of 36 consecutive wins against unranked teams is now over. So they have been an absolute force. Uh, it would have been good to see them lose playing really, really good football. But unfortunately, they've been stuck on offense this entire year so far. And it happened again when they needed the big play. They couldn't get it. NC State missed three field goals in regulation that forced this to overtime in the first place. We've mentioned that. Um, but, you know, a, a, a really, I guess, disappointing space there for Clemson to be in and it now appears that they're out of the playoff pitch I'll give some NC State love in a sec in a second because they've done a really good job here in winning this game as well and um, but they're sort of out of the playoff picture NC State and Wake Forest are actually now ahead of them in the ACC Atlantic so Clemson don't even hold their own future in their hands so to speak they need to rely on results already to go their way but DJU struggled mightily throwing for 4.3 yards per pass play on 26 attempts to give you some perspective Oklahoma fans were chanting for the benching of Spencer Rattler and he went for 7.1 yards Graham Mertz who and again I'll get to him a little later um he had a shocker he went for 5.9 uh an attempt so that just shows you how much DJU and the offense really really struggled the offensive line got owned Isaiah Moore had a really good game for the Wolfpack and he jumped off the screen on defense getting pressures tackle for loss anyways number one as well which makes things really pop for that NC State defense what were your takeaways from this one Will? Yeah, look, everyone's kind of going in on Clemson and it is because they've been, as you said, as good as they have for as long as they have. Uh, I mean, this is still uh, a really solid team that took it right to Georgia, the number two team in the country, uh, mm. went to overtime with NC State. Yes, they were unranked, but it's a good NC State team and they're on the road. So like, this is not an absolute train wreck here. Yes, they're still trying to figure it out on O and, and they've got some issues there. They only completed passes that went forwards to two players in this game. Uh, and, and Justin Ross caught almost all of that himself with, with a couple of touchdowns. It's great to see him back. But th there is some, some massive issues on that offensive side. O on the flip side, uh, NC State, fantastic win for the program, fantastic for the fan base uh, to really get around this one. It's great when you get your opportunity against the big dog to, to kind of knock them off and, and do that there. Devin Leary was fantastic in this matchup. Uh, he threw for four touchdowns himself, didn't turn it over, uh, and and did what he needed to do. And as I mentioned off off the get go, had a really really good pass in the overtime uh, period to secure that one there. So I, I'm happy for them and the, and the fan base there. Clemson, I can't find a market for it, but I still want to back whatever it is them to win the ACC. It's probably going to be shorter than what you'd think, anyways. 
Yeah, probably. Well, there's still good numbers coming out for them anyway. I feel like there's some money to be had in Clemson this year. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I got to you got to give some credit to NC State. I mean, if there's one thing that Clemson has had, that's a really good defense this year. Obviously, Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown on them. Georgia Tech didn't score an offensive touchdown on them. Uh, so it was, you know, it's not easy to score on this team. And, and Devin Leary went and put it in the end zone four times. So credit to that offense um, and the coaching staff to get it organized and, and have a game plan that can work against this Clemson defense, which will remain good as well. Let's not take anything away from the defensive side of the ball. This appears to be an extremely half a team, really, I suppose. But on the dis on the further disappointment, just to rub more salt in the wounds here, James Skowski got injured. Brian Brzee, who is the young uh, interior defensive lineman who's like all-American kind of caliber, he's done for the year. Tyler Davis, they lost earlier last week. Uh, he's done for the year as well. So you lose your two best defensive linemen and potentially two of your best defensive players, which is not good. All of a sudden, this team looks like an 8-4 and four or 7-5 and five team. Do they have three more losses or two more losses on the schedule? Do they have to play BC? Yeah, they play BC next week and open as two touchdown favorites. Watch out for those Eagles. Well, they have to play BC because they're in their division but you would know that uh all right let's move on to Notre Dame as they pour it on in the last quarter scoring 31 points to put away Wisconsin 41 13 which is absolutely unbelievable uh, I did read a number that this is the first time in FBS history since like pre-war or maybe even before that to be down at three-quarter time and win by more than 28 points. Yeah, where are we? I think when scores level at three-quarter time? Well, scores were level, sorry. Um, but yeah, to be not ahead and then to win by more than 28 points, which is a bit ridiculous. But anyway, what happened in this one um, that that caused the, the blowout and, and was always coming with the floodgates about to burst and they did? Uh, or were, were, we, were Notre Dame just lucky? No, I'm not calling it luck, but it wasn't always coming. It was just a terrible run. And I think those that watch the AFL Grand Final can kind of talk to how quickly momentum can shift and how the whole game can just just get away from you. And, and that happened, I think, a couple of times in the AFL where it was kind of the first quarter, the second quarter, and then the third, it, it went bang. So I, I liken it to that where Notre Dame and Wisconsin were in that tight tussle that we expected. And then the wheels just came off of the badges. And Mertz made a couple of just awful decisions uh, that, that cost them six on, on yeah, both did. occasions. Um, and you just can't be doing that. Like, it's, it's, it, it killed the team. You could, you could sense it get sucked out of them. Uh, it looked like it was a good crowd there. Like it's, the fact that it was a neutral field game, uh, Soldier Field there, still absolutely pumping. Uh, they had jump around going. It looked like a student section. Like the the Wisconsin fans going off. There was this one sweet Notre Dame fan, like in and amongst the Notre Dame fans, but like he was getting around him, and his missus is like, "Get down, you dickhead!" He's just like <laughs> jumping around, having a good time. I thought that was great. Uh, but yeah, look, the, the Irish, is, um, this one flatters them a bit. Like the, those two defensive scores covered up for it. Uh, Jack Cohn, uh, gets his, gets his revenge or I don't know, get, gets his, uh, one up in, in the program that he originally 
committed to. Um, but they, they weren't doing a whole heap offensively. Like, Cone wasn't cutting them up. This Wisconsin defense is good. They completely stifled the run. Kyron Williams was going absolutely nowhere uh, in this one. So it had to be that defensive side that kind of broke this open and, and was the difference in the end. Okay, that's good. I do now, because I know that I, I, I'm, I'd be building to this because we know. I'm not even going to play it out because we're retiring it. But what I'm going to do is I want to start a club. Okay? I want to start a club. And I want this to be, I need to workshop a name here. Uh, I, I feel like you can help me out. But I want this to be like reminiscent of an actual club. So an actual club that you would visit. Um, and, and it's going to be like overhyped or mediocre. That's going to be the name of our club. And, and, and just take a walk with me here. Just take a walk with me. So as you, as you enter into the club, you open the door and in you come. It's decorated like a cheap bar, some tacky strip lighting that changes color. You're met by a way too excited like door person, real skinny dude, hoping it's a female, but it's not going to be. There's some like complimentary 0.5% alcoholic punch in the corner. Uh, they serve mid-strength beer, but you're only allowed three before they cut you off and it closes at about 10 o'clock at night. Can't be any later than that. In the corner is sitting two quarterbacks, Bo Nix, and joining him is Graham Mertz. This is the club of quarterback mediocrity. Welcome, you're a part of it. These two guys are living the dream in here. When you go 18 to 41, 240 yards and a touchdown with four interceptions, too mediocre for me. I remember your five touchdown first game against Illinois, but that is years and years and years and years ago. You brought out a nice little uh, look at me sticker with your little name logo flashed all over the place for the new NIL. And look at you, you're going to be selling like coasters in your little mediocrity bar. But welcome, Bo Nix and Graham Mertz to the uh, overhyped mediocre quarterback club. It's, it's good. Uh, this bar sounds awful. Um, and, and I want to stick up for him, but it's not a hill I want to die at. Like, I don't even know what to fucking say because he has been bad. He's been bad all year. Uh, I think he's had time to get over COVID now. And... <laughs> I don't, uh, I, I don't know what to say. Like it's, it's not good. Uh, QBR of seventeen point six is not good. Uh, mm. He hasn't shown it all year. I think he, he threw his first touchdown pass in a long time in this one. Preach, so. brother. Preach. All right, I'll, uh, I'll accept that. He can go in there, and then maybe when you try and admit someone else, I'll stick up for him. But uh, I'll, I'll give him a ticket in. If I'm, if I'm going to be co-bouncer here, I'm letting him on in. <laughs> I don't, I don't, and I don't mean to like these kids they're you know I don't mean to rag on them too much they're copying way worse than what they'll cop from me obviously but um, you know oh, lift mate lift we need more out of you alright let's get to some other games and we're going to start in a place we don't normally start because I think these guys need some attention they need some love and that is the group of five so let's head back to Saturday App State 31 defeats Marshall 30 in a really really entertaining game 
Friday night, Saturday morning here. I thought Marshall were probably the better team. App State turned the ball over twice, had nine penalties in the game, but still managed to come out on top. I think the difference in this one was the fact that Marshall had to settle for two field goals in the first quarter rather than getting touchdowns from those drives. I think if they do get touchdowns, they probably go on and win the game. Chase Bryce of X. Uh, Clemson and Duke fame was good again for the Mountaineers and they comfortably outgained Marshall. It just felt like one of those nights that if Marshall had taken every single one of those chances that they had, that they would come out on top, but they just didn't in this game. And as a result, they fall by a singular point. Uh, Chase Bryce is serving drinks in that then bar of, of yours there, mate. Is he? Yeah, absolutely is. Welcome, Chase. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> All right, let's carry on here. As SMU retained the iron skillet, they beat TCU 42-34. And I am going to honk here because that 4-2-5 defense that you were getting behind on the preview show is not that good. Yes, they got three picks, but they were more from pressure from a lineman or a blitzer uh, than true like coverage interceptions. They got gashed on the ground and through the air, 900, uh, sorry, not 900, 595 total yards against this defense. That is too many against someone who's supposed to be calling a fantastic defense. Mordecai holds onto the ball too long for SMU. Um, but the O-line did a really good job. He makes plays in and out of the pocket. I was really impressed with him. Both offenses scored, got out the gate early, felt a bit shootouty, and then Ulysses Bentley took over as well. Uh, so he had a fantastic game on the ground. Every time TCU put a surge on, it felt like SMU would just return fire. So it was either a forced fumble that set up first and goal, or Evans um, for TCU scores on a 46-yard screen play that gives them some momentum. And then less than two minutes, sorry, less than three minutes, about two minutes, 50 of the following drive, Robeson walks in untouched to just squash any of that momentum. So uh, I was really impressed with SMU, and, and they're a legitimate contender in the American this year. They absolutely are, and they're a team that you do not want to get in a shootout against, uh, and, and that's what TCU found themselves in. Yeah, Tanner Mordecai is playing elite football at the moment, and, and he was supposed to be the guy at Oklahoma. He was competing with Kyla Murray uh, for that job there and then lost out to Spencer Rattler and, and moved on. And now he's showing what he can do. So very impressive. They've, they've got firepower. So this SMU team can certainly make a dent in uh, an exciting uh, American. And I don't know, they, they must be feeling hard done by and not being able to get into the Big 12 with a, a big, Big victory over a big 12 team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just a quick one on Sonny Dykes. I knew he was going well, but I think he's probably faded down the stretch of fraction. And this gets missed a little bit. He's potentially next week going to start 5-0 and for the third consecutive year. That's not an easy thing to do as uh, as an, I guess, a, a group of five program because you're always going to get a power five team in that you know, in that first four games. So to go 5-0 three consecutive years, which he's in the position to do so, um, means that, you know, he continues to have them in a really, really good spot. On the flip side of that, TCU, their defense now has been gashed by SMU. Not so bad. I mean, we know that Sonny Dykes in the air raid, that's going to put up yards and points probably. But they gave up nearly 450 yards to Cow. And then next week, they've got Texas who are doing work at the moment on the offensive side. And you've got one of the brightest minds in Steve Sarkeesian 
in that building leading the Longhorns offense. So Gary Patterson, for me, needs to right the ship here. He needs to get this thing sorted or do the murmurings of a warm butt on the seat coaching seat uh, at TCU start to you know, rumble up from the depths? I think he, he's earned himself a fair bit of goodwill there, so it might be a little bit early for that. But they, they certainly don't seem like a team that's going to be competing for the Big 12 this year, and, and they haven't for a couple now. You have to go back a number of years before they had that year where they just missed out on the, um, the top four. It's, it's probably recent enough. Uh, because you know as well as any that it's always risky going back out to that well and then to look for something that's better. The, the grass is not always greener, and there is a number of big programs that can attest to that. Uh, so I'd be cautious of that, but this program last year, no good. This year also seemed to be struggling. So you, you want some optimism. You want some reason for optimism, and uh, there's, there's not a lot of that at the moment. UTSA remain undefeated as they beat your Memphis Tigers, 31-28. Now, Memphis probably controlled this game for the most part. Took 17 points in the last quarter for the Roadrunners. A Clarence Hicks forced fumble, a holding penalty that callback was what was probably the winning pass play uh, for Memphis to close out the game and a field goal at the gun to get over the line for the Roadrunners. But they go to Memphis and win. This is not a bad Roadrunners team. This is not just a flash-in-the-pan win. They are a quality, quality team this year. Yeah, absolutely. Hell of a lot of experience in this uh, this team this year, and, and they're showing out. So that's a big victory going up to Memphis and, and winning that one there. They'd be thrilled with it, and it just speaks to the group of five football and, and the great matches that we've got there. I'm glad you started there because there were some absolute crackers across the weekend. Sincere McCormack for the Roadrunners carried the ball 42 times. That's, He's busy. That's, He's a, busy. that's a lot of ball. He, he earned his ice bath, that's for sure. He did. BYU a little lackluster in the second half as they hold on to beat USF 35-27. Uh, but that one was really never in danger. Bowling Green 14 upset Minnesota 10. We have mentioned that one at the top of the show, but 30 and a half point underdogs and they win that one. Army remain undefeated, as do Wyoming, despite the best efforts of the Yukon Huskies. Fresno State keep winning. San Diego State are undefeated and Coastal Carolina Cruise as well. Anything on those teams or anything else in the group of five? No, I think that's really good, mate. All right, let's head to the SEC. And Florida, 38. Tennessee, 14. Honking time for me because I called this one as well. It was close at halftime. Tennessee did a good job of keeping the Florida run game mostly in check at the start of the game. What are your thoughts on how this one played out as Florida get up 38 to 14? Oh, look, it was full credit to you, exactly as you said. And and I think I kind of called the margin 20 to 24 or something, and and it fit right in that we were both aligned with this in that florida are a much better team they were never going to lose this game but they might look a little bit sluggish early and and they might not be all there after the big matchup the week before and that's exactly how it played out so tennessee had uh enough to be optimistic about and and really kind of feeling good but it, it just never really felt like they were in this one or or any real danger of kind of threatening this team i felt like florida had something up their sleeve and and could call on it whenever they needed to. Uh, And and they continue to roll. And 
I've got a lot of uh, programs this year that I talk about that are, I are overhyped and that I probably overhyped and I've got wrong uh, in that I thought they were going to be good and they're actually pretty trash. I thought Florida were going to be bad and I think I've gone the other way on this one. <laughs> they're, they're a pretty good team and, and you've got yeah. to respect that. So, I think uh, some really nice growth from Emery Jones. He's becoming far more comfortable in the offense each week. It's clearly visible from his decision-making, his game management, just his feel. Um, and Dan Mullen echoed that after the game as well in, in his post-game presser. He sort of said that you can just see him growing up a little bit, and he goes for 144 yards on the ground, two passing touchdowns. Now, he was the one that iced it in the last quarter as well because this game was probably still in reach or at least close enough um, going into the last quarter, but a 75-yard bomb and then another touchdown uh, later in the quarter to just put Tennessee away. Um, so the Florida-Georgia game looms as the big game in the East again this year. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, shock horror. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Auburn, 34. Georgia State, 24. Now, I don't want to spend too long here, and we don't normally go uh, group of five versus power five in any great depth, but this game was so much closer than the scoreline would suggest, and I called this one as well. Jeez, I'm, I'm getting good. But they were one play away from losing this one. Uh, TJ Finley had the Tigers at fourth and nine, needing a touchdown. Um, if Georgia State hold them there and keep them out of the end zone, they probably can at least milk some time. Uh, but it forced the Tigers into a 98-yard March after benching Bo Nix, and they managed to pull it out. They managed to drive the length of the field um, and get the job done here on a very questionable call that may or may not have changed the outcome of this game, by the way, but um, still a lot of questions for Auburn. I still think they are ugh, okay only. Well, they got away with murder in this one. Uh, Georgia State just had them dead for rights, and it looked like it was done. And this would have been an absolute shocker because they, they paid Georgia State $1.5 million to come to their stadium to get beat by them. And to have that as close as they will just talks about the chaos that you love in college football and that you always need to be getting around and hope it's never your team that's uh, on the receiving end of it. But f fantastic, fantastic matchup. It has both and, been and our good... teams as well. In our experience, it has... Oh, yeah. It's, it, but it's, it's it's almost every college football program. It goes through yeah. this. It, it's just what happens with 18 to 22-year-old kids. Like the, yeah. they, they have these off sort of days and it's it's what's part of all of the fun there. So uh, Aub Auburn, yeah, you, you can't have too much confidence. I think uh, obviously a bit of a letdown spot, as you mentioned, on the back of what they'd had uh, out at Penn State there. So they'll regroup from this and, and then look to get into their SEC schedule. And a 10-point win makes it look pretty comfortable, but with 45 seconds left on the clock, they were taking a fourth down pass down 24-19. Uh, and they score that. They then get a pick six on the last drive. And Georgia State did everything right. And I thought their coach was really good. He you know, he was obviously pretty passionate and pretty fired up and, and fractionally frustrated because he feels like his team should have won that game. But, hey... I guess we've all been in that situation before. LSU hold on against Mississippi State on the road, 28-25. May have called this one as well. Mississippi State have some issues showing up in the first half. Just not good enough. Just not consistent enough in the first halves of games. What did you think about LSU as Derek Stingley sat this one out? 
are they okay or is you know is this Mississippi State team what we sort of expect from Mike Leach in year 1.5 no look they are they're a good team uh, this LSU team. and and they got out to a, a good lead in this one they probably slipped up a little bit and let Mississippi State get back into it but it's a tough place to play so I uh, I felt relatively confident having backed LSU uh, in this, especially when they got out to that lead there, and then that confidence quickly started to drain away as Mississippi State made that run there. But I, I think it's all ahead of LSU; like they can continue to grow. Uh, they're, they're not a national title contender, but they can certainly play in some cracking games uh, down the stretch here, especially if they can get both Ricks and Stingley together uh, as the best defensive backfield duo in the country get both of them in and going and and if max johnson can continue to grow at that quarterback position i I still rate this tigers outfit and think that they could uh provide some fun that's for sure kentucky beat south carolina 16 to 10 in a really dour affair alabama and georgia win comfortably so let's move on from the sec pushing into the big 12 with iowa state and Baylor. Baylor. They dropped the snap. Purdy throws off his heels. And it's intercepted. Yeah, Brock Purdy turns the ball over. Not that the interception really mattered. That was a two-point attempt to tie the game up. They couldn't do it, and they fall 31-29. to 29. Again, I feel like I start off uh, on the negative here, so the disappointing start to the season for Iowa State continues. So let's flip it. Let's go the positive here for Baylor. I think Dave Aranda came into a toughish situation here. This team he inherited was really young. Replacing a good coach in Matt Rule is never easy to be the guy that comes after the guy. Uh, but they came out of the blocks really, really well, scoring touchdowns on their first three drives, and the offense had it all their own way. From there, they made it scrappy, made the most of their opportunities. And like we said, like I said at the start, where Marshall didn't take their opportunities, Baylor took every single one of theirs, and that was the difference in the end. Sometimes you have to win ugly. Uh, Iowa State are done now and maybe maybe can fight back into Big 12 championship game contention. But um, in terms of a, a playoff spot, their season is over. Yeah, look, Iowa State returned to the pumpkins that they are, so they can uh, ship off and go away. But Baylor, Dave Aranda, like it, it, you're better off going into a spot where someone has left for bigger and better things, but they've done a good job at the program than kind of trying to rebuild and, and start from scratch at somewhere where it's just been an absolute mess and, and a fire. And I think he he did have a long way to go. That, that team that he inherited was very young. All of the experience had generated out of there, but there was a really positive culture. And, and I, I think Dave Aranda's continued to grow on that. He has them in a really good spot at the moment. Uh, obviously, they now have an undefeated matchup with Oklahoma State on the horizon, and that's massive for them. They're ahead of schedule in, in I think, the eyes of most people. So that's good for the Baylor program, and, and they'll look to continue to push on with this and, and see what damage they can do in the Big 12 this year. Now, as positive as I was about Baylor... This is, so I said their first three drives were touchdowns. This is how the rest of their drives went the rest of the game. So starting at drive number four, three plays for minus three yards. Drive number four, fumble. Drive number five, sorry, this would be six. 
five plays, 16 yards. Then three plays, minus 11 yards. Four plays, nine yards. Four plays, minus one yard, but they kicked a field goal from it, and that was the difference. So after the first three touchdowns, they effectively went backwards. Uh, now that fumble drive did have 56 yards attached to it, but still, you know, they barely moved. It was like watching your Bears, I suppose, this morning. Oof. Oof. Oklahoma defeat West Virginia 16-13. to 13. Um, I've only really seen one, seen footage of this after the fact and sort of scrubbed my way through it, but Oklahoma to me seemed like a loss is on the cards. How did this one play out? Oh, look, you, you want to keep winning these games whilst you're trying to hit your straps. And I think they're a program that could still do it. Uh, what I will say, though, is that fan base really needs to have a good hard look at itself. You, you kind of <laughs> mentioned it in the Clemson one about the... Um, the booing and, and the calling for Spencer Spencer Rattler's head when they're in a tight game. They're not even losing. They're in a tight game with a West Virginia program who has played well defensively on the year uh, and, and deserves a bit more respect. But he's not putting up stinking numbers. He hasn't turned the ball over multiple times. They just don't like him. And I get that. Like He's got a face that's easy to not like. But... <laughs> I think it's probably a touch harsh. And is he th- on this... his way to the club? Like, is he like in the taxi on his way to the club? No, nah, the Spencer Rattler. I don't think he can be. Uh, like, he's he's in the nice end of town, so he's got a long way to go before he can go there. I think he, he's definitely kind of fallen out because he was the Heisman front runner coming into the year. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah. like, he's certainly not there anymore. He's not is getting he into the VIP. Slump? Is he having? Is he having a sophomore slump? Something we don't see anymore. But, like, as a starter, sophomore slump time for Spencer Rattler. I mean, if you look at the numbers against what they're expected to be, you'd say yes. If you look at the numbers for what he had at the start of last year, they're probably on par. Like, this is kind of what he did at the start of last year. Remember last year, that they they dropped a couple early, and then down the stretch, they looked like one of the best teams in the country and and ended up destroying a a Florida team in their bowl game. So I'm not willing to uh, write them off yet. I think that that's still in their plausible outcomes of what could happen. They could very much make their way back into that top four with some really, really good performance. I hope not. I hope they drop a couple uh, along here, but let's see what happens. And if there's a coach you trust to get it fixed offensively, probably Lincoln Riley's not a bad one. He's Um, certainly on the short list. (laughs) Okay, Oklahoma State 31 handles Kansas. A lot of talk about here, Kansas coming in and and doing a job on on the Cowboys. Obviously ranked. Kansas State, sorry, my bad, Kansas State. Um, a lot of, yeah, people were talking that uh, the Wildcats would come in and, and as underdogs, but handle Oklahoma State. That wasn't the case in this one. And you sort of get the impression now with Oklahoma State that if the offense can score 24 points, they're probably going to win most games because their defense is that good. Are you feeling any better about your Cowboys? Because having this conversation with, if I had this conversation with you last week, you were like, man, our teams are bad, but at least you're winning. So how do you feel about them now? Do you feel any better about the at the At the end of the first quarter, I was feeling fucking fantastic. They'd had a fantastic quarter. They'd put up like 24 points in the first quarter. One of those was a defensive score where they just, Watched the snap and we just fell on it. Always nice to get one of those. Um, 
at the same time had given up a special teams touchdown, which is infuriating, but that had happened. So, like, the first quarter, I was like, this is old Oklahoma State football. We're putting up heaps of points. We're giving up shitty special teams plays. I like it. And then... And then we kind of controlled the second quarter and I felt good about it going into the half. And then it was kind of one of those ones where it's like, you know what? We could fucking crush these guys. We could really get after it. Or we could just go as conservative as our fan base and boo the shit out of Biden and fucking call nothing imaginative or risky or anything outside the box and then just kind of coast home on the on the back of some really, really average offensive play. So, look, defense continues to be great. They get the win. I, I can't hate that. I like that. And, and I didn't really feel nervous, too nervous uh, about this one down the stretch. But it, you kind of get a little bit frustrated that you know at one point there was there were points, there was stuff happening, and now you just don't have that confidence in the offensive side of that football team. Ooh, that's and you just feel like when you get in that space and that's kind of the the mo that your team is putting together for the year that that's going to come unstuck in bigger games at some stage texas trash texas tech 70 to 35 doubled their score i was a bit you know i nearly didn't say that doubled their score because like people can do the math themselves but to to allow a team to score 35 like that, that's a lot of points uh any takeaways from this game Oh, no, you called this one correctly. So uh, Texas continue to look really good offensively outside of that Arkansas game where, where they got, got but by Arkansas a good But Arkansas are really good. Well, that's what we know. I mean, we know that Arkansas There is that. Really um, Texas certainly impressing under Sarkeesian. So they're gone 3-1. and one. Uh, The first head coach at Texas to go 3-1 and one in their first year since like 50 years or some shit. Like it's, it's been a long time since that's happened. There you go. All right, uh, Pac-12 time. Things go mostly to plan for the Pac-12. Eh, mostly. Con- considering where we've come from to start the year. like this is USC losing to Oregon State is mostly that the is, plan. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean, though. Like That's where the Pac-12's at at the moment, um, is that that, that, own, that result there is minimal impact to where we have been. But UCLA lean on Dorian Thompson-Robinson's right shoulder in the fourth quarter to beat the upset-minded Stanford 35-24. to Stanford started the game with five three-and-eights. No success on the ground at all for a team that historically has run the ball very, very well. The Bruins finish strong um, and have a big matchup against Arizona State next week. I think finishing is really, really important in this game, something that they didn't do last year in this in this matchup. They blew a 14-point fourth-quarter lead against Stanford. This time, they close it out. And uh, UCLA keep on keeping on. Yeah, look, UCLA is a good, fun football team this year. So uh, I continue to say every game that I I watch of theirs, uh, Charbonnet's still one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player this season. Every time I watch him play, he's just dynamic and he explodes off of the off of the screen for you. So you can really get around him. Uh, And you've done a good job calling that in the preseason. Oh. I'm on a bit of a heater this year. Don't know why. Um, no, it's OSU. mainly this week, and I'm thinking about it. It's because you've got this time off with the kid, isn't it? Like, if, if you had, if you had this much time every week, you'd just be an elite analyst. The real OSU, the real OSU, Oregon State, Smoke USC, forty-five to twenty-seven. 
The Beavers go into the Coliseum and win for the first time in 61 years. That is a lot of time between wins in that particular building. Uh, And they kind of won in a way that you wouldn't expect. Double-digit road underdog. To go out and consistently run the ball and use methodical long drives, you generally don't grind out games on the road when your talent doesn't allow you to do so because you're so overmatched. But that's exactly what they did. BJ Baylor at running back and Chance Nolan threw four touchdowns. I mean, yeah, really, really good. Go Beavs and a fantastic win against a big program. This is the sort of stuff that um, can buoy OSU to, you know, bowl games and things like that. So a really, really good win. And just really capped off a big day for you. Yeah, loving it. Oregon beat Arizona 41-19. Utah undefeated in the Pac-12. They beat Washington State 24-13. Washington starting to hit a groove potentially as they beat Cow 31-24. And Arizona State handle Colorado 35-13. Anything on those four games? No, look, we're starting to see some of the things that we were expecting to see from these programs, but they've kind of just... They've already done themselves in. So. They've already gnawed off a limb. Uh, yeah. That they probably didn't yeah. need to do. All right, let's get into the ACC. Now, if you think the Pac-12 is a mess, the ACC is a flaming bag of garbage at the moment. They have the 23rd, 24th, and 25th ranked teams in the AP poll. That is as high as it gets for them, and that is by far the worst turnout of the Power 5 conferences. Secondly... These divisions are wide, wide open. Have a listen to some of this. UNC, so particularly if we if we start in the Coastal, UNC, who were the preseason favorites, top 10 team, a national championship contender, we're going to challenge Clemson. They're now one and two in conference and potentially like out of it, which is unbelievable. Virginia are 0 and 2 and they're out of it. Virginia Tech, who we thought were going to be meh, have got one conference win. They sit atop the ACC Coastal, and there are three teams yet to play a gaming conference. So Pitt, Duke, and Miami all control their own destiny in terms of winning this particular division. On the Atlantic side, your current three top teams are Wake Forest, NC State, and Louisville. I wouldn't even be able to tell you the last time that happened. Now, admittedly, we're early in conference play. I get that, but to see some of the wins and losses. And we're going to know more about it this week as we get into a whole bunch of conference play here. Teams are going to be done and dusted by the end of week five. Yeah, look, and the real powerhouse, BC, hasn't even had a conference matchup yet. So they're the ones to watch out for. Wake Forest trash Virginia, and they might be the favorites in the ACC. Now, Syracuse beat your Liberty Flames 24 to 21. Georgia Tech put a hurting on UNC. That's one of their conference losses, 45 to 22. Any thoughts on the heels and the yellow jackets? I did not see that coming. Like, I <laughs> was genuinely shocked at that result. I, yeah. Oh. I mean, some teams can overcome losing a heap of players. The Tar Heels are clearly not one of those teams. And Jeff Collins has got Georgia Tech to a point where, you know, transitioning out of the triple option, which we've mentioned now for years. He is not doing that anymore. Like, this is a legitimately stout defense. Yeah, they're probably lacking a little bit of talent on the offensive side, but Jeff Sims, who I spoke about a lot last year, and he was this kind of electric playmaker, came back into the game for the Jackets this week. 
He hasn't been starting. He actually got supplanted from his starting position, but starting role at quarterback. But he's come in and, and he had a really, really good game. I, you know, the tech defense got to Sam Howell. A lot of eight sacks in the game in this one. They've been become a tough out in the ACC, which means they could win the coast. Like they're a legitimate chance to win the coastal here, which is just gross. Um, but yeah, anyway, there we are. Louisville, 31, Florida State, 23. Your boy Malik Cunningham seems to have got his mojo back as FSU folder 0-3. Any thoughts on your Cardinals? Uh, yeah, look, Cunningham, it's good to see him playing some positive football. It's more Florida State are just an absolute fucking mess. Like, they just could not stop a thing in that first half against Louisville mm. here. So I think offensively, they're kind of looking okay, but... They weren't in this game because they could never stop Louisville. They were just doing what they wanted. Well, Florida State have got Syracuse next week, and that is not a guaranteed win for them Ooh. by any means. Absolutely I'd be interested not. to see who goes in favorite for that. It is in Tallahassee, I believe. Duke beat Kansas 52-33. And in the Will Murden Bowl, BC 41 beat Missouri 34. What happened in this one, Will? It was a good matchup. It was a good, good fun game. Uh, came down to the wire uh, here, and Connor Basilak just kind of came up short a little bit here, which is we've seen a couple of weeks in a row now, uh, which is disappointing. What I didn't like to see from the big fella is he had an opportunity, uh, big play right at the end of the game to even it up uh, and, and either win or send it to overtime. Can't remember. Um and he kind of he fucked out on it, right? Like he he missed the the pass or it didn't get caught, and then like that was it. The game was over. All the players for BC were up and about, and there was like a backup quarterback or obviously someone he knew came across to Basilak to like chat to him, and he just like stopped and was talking to him like regular normal. This is like ten seconds after he just lost the match. Like, I want to see a bit more feeling, a bit more disappointment. Like, don't be a dick and disrespectful and stuff, but don't also just sit there and kind of have a casual chat with a guy after you've just cost you, well, not cost your team a game, but not done it. Like, I don't know. I'm concerned that there's not enough killer instinct in that boy and it's holding him back. Uh, interesting take from afar for Will Muir. <laughs> Okay, let's get into the Big Ten because we are chewing up clock here. Iowa struggled against Colorado State 24-14. to uh, Any alarm bells to be rung there? Is this just one of those games that every single team that's ranked inside the top 10 has at some stage in their year, and this was it for Iowa? Yeah, uh, look, I wouldn't worry too much about this. Get the win, get out, move on. Okay. Penn State and Ohio State win as well, although Ohio State had a linebacker quit at halftime. Don't know if you saw that. Uh, I did. Yeah. He, tweet, he tweeted out. In the game. Uh, fuck Ohio State. And uh, then retracted that tweet and then tweeted something along the lines of, good luck to all my teammates. Yeah. Brilliant <laughs> stuff. He has since been ejected from the program. Oh, wonder. I don't even know what happened, but... Uh... Anyway. He tried. He, he wanted to go in, uh, and coaches said, "No, you're not going in." And then he just kind of had a full on hissy fit, no threw doubt. his threw his gloves and stuff in the crowd. Yeah, I saw that. Done. Pads off. 
Uh, Michigan are undefeated, but don't distance themselves from Rutgers. 20 to 13, they get up in that one. Now, is this Greg Schiano's influence on Rutgers, just muddying things up, playing some good defense? Um, or again, does Michigan have some questions or is it just, we don't know much still? Oh, oh, I did not watch the second half of this. I watched the first half and I was impressed by Michigan. I was like, this is a legit team. They are for real. And then I switched over to something else and then I kind of look back and see the score and go, what the fuck happened? So I honestly can't tell you. I haven't gone back and, and seen what went awry there. I'll put it down to Shiano scheming something up and, and just being a good coach and kind of making a few in, in-game adjustments that, that really ruffled them there. But I, I went away from what I'd seen really impressed with Michigan. And now I kind of look back and it doesn't look as shiny. So I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to buy in. I'm still going to say that they're a contender in the Big Ten. But maybe there's something there that I didn't say. Not as good. Nebraska doing Nebraska things as they fall to Michigan State 23-20 to in OT. They were up 13-20. to um, Punt the ball away and a complete bust on the punt coverage Michigan State house the punt return uh, and then it goes to OT and Adrian Martinez throws a pick that nearly goes the other way uh, Michigan State set up the touchdown through Kenneth Walker the third or fourth third um, and then they push on and win still don't think Michigan State's that good um, Nebraska probably should have won this one yeah look I'm happy with Michigan State but neither of these programs are very good Northwestern, Purdue, Maryland, and Indiana all win as well. Oh, that is a lot of football. And we now get into conference games, so this becomes fractionally easier. There's less games to cover. Um, but are there any? is there anything we've missed? No, look, we've done, we've done a good job there. Let's, let's round this one home. Let's run through this now, mate. Okay, Aussies in action. Hit me. Okay, so we had three uh, really good performances on the weekend. I'm just kind of cream of the crop this week. Uh, we had Nick Habera at Washington State. So not a name that we've mentioned a lot on this program before. Might be Correct. might yeah. be a first. But uh, he had four punts of 200 yards, an average of 50 there. So he was quite good in his matchup there. What well I mate. Uh, Lucas Dean is one that we have mentioned quite a bit, mm-hmm. obviously, UTSA. Mm-hmm. I think the reason they won, I'm going to say the, the reason they won were his five punts, 254 yards, average of 50.8. They're, They're not doing it without that. They're not doing it without that. And uh, Lockie Wilson at Tulsa continues his fantastic yeah. season. He has a massive day, five punts, 272 yards, an average of 54.4. That is professional numbers, son. There you go. Uh, helmet stickers. Who you got for some weird shit? Here we <laughs> go. I enjoy this is more. I enjoy this, this is more now. Quickly becoming a bit of fun. All right, so I've got I've got quite a number of stickers to get out this year's okay. week. So I'll try and run through it. Uh, Darren Chiaverini. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Off to a flyer. With Darren Chiaverini. He is the. Uh, are you familiar with Darren? I am not familiar with that. He is the offensive coordinator at Colorado. He gets our first sticker because uh, he led the team to their first scoring drive for the first time in eight quarters on the weekend. So they had gone eight quarters without scoring, and then he put on a field goal drive. So well done, Darren. You get a sticker for that effort. That's cute. Impressed. Uh, Casey Thompson, Texas quarterback. Uh he's, he's the guy there now. He's been fantastic since uh, 
getting back a hold of this starter job. 18 to 23, 303 yards, five touchdowns. Did, he played in the Alamo, Alamo Bowl last year, uh, the, the end of last year. Since then, when he's played, he has guided Texas to a score on 24 of the last 27 drives. That's unbelievable. That is nuts. He that can have a stick for that. Well done. <laughs> Uh, the, the Notre Dame defense, they're getting stickers for their five turnovers and putting up more points than both offenses could, so well done. Um, in the BC game, we didn't mention Pat Garwo third, So he carried the ball for 25 times and 175 yards and a couple of touchdowns. He was big. Uh, big reason that they're traveling undefeated at the moment, so he can have a sticker. Um we also saw fantastic little result from a quarterback uh, at Army on the weekend. Did you, did you catch this one? Really, really good. So zero of five through the air. Not, not fantastic. But he did put together one of, I, I think it's one of the greatest rushing performances in school history uh, or program history. He went 236 yards and two touchdowns in their win over Miami. Uh, I think it's the Miami of Ohio. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Uh, That's the sixth all-time in in the academy's history, which is impressive because those fuckers like to roll the ball a lot. Exactly right. (laughs) All right. uh, Next up, we're going uh, NC State. Really, really good. Uh, Leary, he can pick one up. Uh, Here's a list of players who have beaten Clemson uh, since the year 2000. Are you drunk? Like This is coming out sloppy, but I like it. Philip Rivers, Mike Glennon, Devin Leary. That's it. That's where the list begins and ends. Say that again. Quarterbacks that have beaten Clemson... Since the year 2000. At home? No, no just, just beaten Clemson. So Philip Rivers did it twice. Mike Glennon did it. Uh, so this is for NC State, sorry. Okay, okay. I was like, all right, good. There's a few more, yeah. yeah. Um, so no, he was fantastic with his, his four touchdowns, 238 yards, so he can get one. Uh, Traylon Burks, we mentioned in the leadoff, uh, fantastic effort there. Had 167 yards, touchdown, uh, big catch there. So he can have uh, one. Zach Charbonnet, I'm just going to give him a sticker every week because I fucking love the guy. We should just and two more. Uh, firstly, Brian Kelly becomes the winningest head coach in Notre Dame school history. So you can have Inc- a sticker there, big fella. Incorrect. Incorrect. Because Notre Dame had wins vacated between the years of whatever, they don't count. <laughs> so he's actually not. Uh, well, and next you'll be telling me Reggie Bush didn't win the Heisman. Don't want to fucking hear it, mate. He did. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I nearly almost don't want to give out my last sticker now. But last okay, sticker goes goes to you. Uh, you've, had a fan, you've had a fantastic weekend. It's about fucking time. Yeah. I mean, even even a broken clock's right twice twice a day, right? And that's yeah. what it feels like. You did. Like I, I look through it and I'm like, fuck, you actually nailed a lot of these predictions. Well done. So I, I did drop get, the ball on a couple, but yeah. Mostly. On the whole, pretty impressive. I'll I'll, I'll give you the sticker, mate. I'll send one down. Thank you. Uh, All right, let's get to the Vault Studios kiss of death. Uh, 
because this continues to be an absolute disaster. We've gone one for five again, which is actually perfect now that we've changed the direction of the uh, of the picks. But uh, Clemson minus 10 missed. USC minus 12 missed by... And these missed by a lot. Minnesota Bowling Green over 51 These are and a half. amazing. These are amazing. <laughs> Over 51 and a half. They put up 24 points. TCU minus nine. TCU minus nine. Florida State plus two. uh, Got smoked. You got smoked. So so we all did it. Everyone, everyone is buying into the new direction of it. Except you, Dickett. You've gone and picked one incredibly correctly. (laughs) Texas, and, and they've smashed it. The rest of us, Clemson to cover 10. They didn't fucking win. USC to cover 12. They didn't fucking win. Like, TCU. you can't... TCU to cover nine. They didn't win. <laughs> this shit is unbelievable. Like, if you had to go on the winners the other side... Wow, we are good. We, this... This is not bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into On The Punt. Now, I'm, I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself here. Um, but is this right? <laughs> Only because you've been so good lately, so I'm assuming that is correct, but... No. No, it's not correct. Uh... No, look, I, I had a great weekend on the punt. I mentioned it off, off the, uh, the top of the show here, and it, it all was running well until about 5 a.m. Uh, Sunday morning. So I had a great Saturday, uh, great Saturday night on the footy. Uh, needed Tom McDonald to kick it. Two goals, kick one after the fucking siren. Like when shit like that's <laughs> happening, you just sit back and you go, I am on here. Uh, and then I, I felt good. I had LSU minus two and a half Mississippi State. They won by three. Bang, collect. Had BC to beat Missouri. Looked like that one was going to go to overtime. Well, it did go to overtime. I, it was bloody early. I can't remember. But uh, they won. Collect. Cha-ching, cha-ching. So I'm feeling pretty good at this point. And then... The punting gods can be a cruel because when it turns on you, it turns quick and it turns hard. Uh, so I had Utah State uh, to beat, it was plus nine against Boise, and they were never really in that one. Boise were no. much too good, so that was a bad call. I had Texas AM minus the five and a half against Arkansas. I don't like five and a half points, seems like a lot for Texas AM at the moment, so it's yeah. like just in general. Um, so that was no good. And then I had Florida State to win, which I've talked about this before, like betting on terrible teams. It's just fucking, it's not a good time. So I only got the two this week, uh, the first first losing week. Uh, unfortunately, with the way that the Super Yankee works, if you only get the two, you're in for a bad time. So uh, we lost 90 units uh, on the week, which uh, re- reduces the overall season tally down to positive 351. Okay, I had a pretty good day myself. Vandy, I missed. I said they'd go and sneak inside 34.5 points. They didn't even go close. And I said North Carolina would win by two touchdowns, but they got beaten, so there goes that. But I did have BC to win. I had Texas minus eight. I had Georgia State plus 27. I had UCLA minus six, and I took the over in the UCLA-Stanford game as well. So I went five for seven. That's the kind of numbers we're talking about here. That's good. Lastly, yeah, that's good. It's profitable. Lastly, long shot time. How did you go? I don't remember who you had because I never do. Uh, I doubled down with Kansas. Bowling Green. I no, mm. that was the call this week. There were a few actually that you could have plucked, but uh, I I had Kansas over Duke. They were up at the half. 
So I'm going to take a half point here and we'll just move on. <laughs> well, I had West Virginia on the road against Oklahoma and that was pretty close. I mean, it probably can't go a whole heap closer. Um, but yeah, uh, just missed out on that one as well. But around the mark, we're starting to narrow in on something here. Yeah. I mean, this, this year is helping if, us. If we can't get it this year, we ain't fucking ever getting it. <laughs> exactly. All right. That brings us to the end of our week four recap show. Just very quickly having a look at week five and who we. Arkansas, Georgia, top 10 ranked matchup. Cincinnati, Notre Dame, top 10 ranked matchup. Alabama, Ole Miss, that was a barnstorming game last year. That game is on as well. Top 15 Uh, ranked matchup. You've also got Baylor and Oklahoma State in the house. So there are games all over the place in this one. Um, so if you can't find something you like this week, you are doing it wrong. Pick a new sport, my friends. No? No, yeah, look, you're... Don't pick a new sport. Don't do that. Uh, we need all the... <laughs> We need all the fans we get. Another reminder, Vault Studio Podcast, CFB down under Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. On behalf of that guy over there, thank you very much for joining us. My name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.